Welcome to the Driveway Beers Podcast with Mike and Alex. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share on any platform that you're listening on. All right, welcome back to another show. Thank you for coming back, as always. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share. I want to thank uh, Brian Schilling with uh, AnnapolisHomeExperts.com. Um, you guys have heard me say this before. Brian was my real estate agent. He's a good guy. Um, so if you can't reach out to him, he gives you that personal experience that you're looking for. Uh, he really does work for you. Won't make, won't have you overpaying for anything you shouldn't with his expertise in the area, especially in the Annapolis area. And we want to thank Cheers of Spirits in the Arnold Station Plaza. We want to thank both of those sponsors. Again, if you do need some kind of wine or, or liquor, uh, they're great if you don't know what you want and you need to go in there and, and pick something out, especially for a gift. But they also have your staples. If you want just your, your booze and weekend, head on in there and grab some grab some beer. Well, today we got a special guest. Uh, we got Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan uh, and from ConcreteLocks.com. Um, for those of you that have been following us uh, on Twitter, which is nobody, uh, we have posted a Discord where I, I've been posting some free NFL picks. Now, I don't know how to bet anything else. And let's be honest, I don't really know how to bet the NFL, but I do it anyway, and I put it out there for free for all those people. Now, me personally, if I want to make big money, I go to Jeremy at ConcreteLocks.com. And so we wanted to talk some gambling in this episode, and I thought, who better than uh, than someone who is a professional at this? And so we reached out to Jeremy. He agreed to come on. So we want to thank you for doing that. Appreciate you guys having me uh, anytime, man. So let's let's start with the gambling first, and then we'll get into some more uh, some off topics, if you will. Okay. Uh, so gambling wise, this year, um, on your website, are you do you give every single play for the week, or are you only picking certain games? So, no, I'm not going to pick every single game. Um, I am a volume better. So, and I try to tell people, depending on the type of better you are, like if you just want to bet one or two games, I'm going to tell you what my top games are. And if you've been with me the past 10 days, I've been pretty much on fire with a lot of my top plays, um, you know, except for my lock, which hasn't treated me so kindly to start the season, but we can get to that. Uh, but no, it's been, it's been good. And I'm, I'm just trying to teach people as well. Like, I think the fact that we keep it cheap, but I also have, you know, you know, it's a business. I have a business partner that I'm working with and to keep some of the things going, money has to come in. And, you know, I've said this before, like working at a radio station, it's nice to have, I don't want to say leverage, but it's nice to have other options when things arise. And in our industry, you never know how things are going to go right now. Things are phenomenal for me. Um, but that being said, you know, it, it could turn really quickly in this industry. So as far as gambling goes, yeah, I'll, each day I'll, um, I'll do a little podcast. It's free on YouTube. And then um, the clients or the people that subscribe, they'll get all my picks for the day. And then I'll list them. It's actually my betting card. I send out what I'm actually betting that day uh, for anyone that subscribes. For people that want. So for me, I usually go, I go to you for your, uh, for your baseball picks. Now mm-hmm. baseball season is coming to an end. So it's probably a little Johnny come lately on that one, but um, I don't know squat about baseball and how to bet it. I love baseball. I love watching it. But for me, Trying to bet baseball is just too difficult. Um, it, at least football, I kind of understand the ebbs and flows of it. Um, I understand like the trap game stuff, and I can look and like I go on like uh, I think it's what Action Network every once in a while. I can see like yeah. the, I can see where the bets are going a little bit. Um, but with baseball, for me, it's so erratic, especially over 162 game season. For me, it's really hard to bet. Um, what do you what are you kind of doing as far as uh do you have like a special analysis you do for baseball betting no so yeah i mean there's a lot of things that go into it and i think like when we started looking at gambling across the board uh you you have to look at what vegas wants okay so if we're looking at it from a standpoint they'd love to see 50 percent of the people bet on one side 50 percent of the people bet on the other side because there's no way they take a loss they just take the vig from the half and business keeps moving. But ultimately what happens is we get more people that want to bet on one side or the other, and then they have to figure out, uh, do they want to take that risk with the money? Do they feel like the public's on the wrong side? And 
you know, I think if you're not getting consensus reports, you're not doing yourself a favor by at least looking where the money's going to see, am I on the same side as everybody else out there? Because like, let's be honest, Miami's playing the Giants this weekend. Who's not going to look at that game and go, are you kidding me? They're going to boat race them after what we saw on Monday night. And, um, you know, so like everybody's going to want to be on that side or everybody will have Miami in a teaser. And I'm not telling you that's the wrong side, but you're going to be on the same side with everybody else. And if anyone is selling you a pick, telling you, hey, this is the best play, it seems kind of silly because you could ask Joe Schmo over there that like, hey, this is a spot we should be looking at. I think the harder things are, you know, with point spreads, the game is supposed to be even finding out which side can I find an edge and it makes it really difficult. With baseball, I think we have a superior edge looking at weather, umpire data, things that have an effect on the game. And then once we get to a certain point, starting pitching and bullpen, you can look at which bullpens are taxed, um, which ones had their best players pitch the night before who may not be likely to pitch the next night. And all those things factor in. And I think if you're not using some of that data, it's pretty silly. It really is gambling instead of you know trying to handicap, if you will. Yeah, and for me, that going to a site like yours, that's where the value is, at least for, for baseball for me. Um, because it allows me to gamble on baseball, but do so from an intelligent perspective. Now it's not my, I'm not using my intelligence. I'm using yours, Mm -hmm. but if, if I can gain an edge in betting for baseball where I normally wouldn't be able to like for the monthly fee that your website is, you can easily make that back just in the bets that you're giving them out alone. And I don't think people realize that when they go to that, because everyone's cheap, right? Everyone wants it for free. Yeah. But I don't think they understand, like, like I'm someone who gives out free picks for football. I know the picks on your site are going to be better thought out. There, there, There's more data behind what you're picking than what I'm picking. I'm going by feel. Maybe I look at something here or there. At the end of the day, I'm going to do worse than you. And I think that's what people need to realize that when they go to a site like that, uh, there is a fee. Yes. And yes, it's Mm -hmm. hard. I get it. People don't want to pay the fee, but it's almost like if you go to a, if you go to a stock, someone that could pick stocks with a TD Ameritrade account versus going to a financial advisor who's done it for years over the course of time, you're going to probably do better with a financial advisor than you are on your own. Um, just because they're yeah. they're looking at more things and they're trained to do more, more on that. So I think when people go to your website, they really do need to think about that. Um, See, and I mean a couple of things that I'll sorry to interrupt, but like you know, I I tell people all the time, I'm not a salesman. Um, I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything. Like, yeah, I would love for people to come check out the website, and you can cancel at any time. But it's it's a matter of like. You know, we go over different things. I talk about weather reports during baseball season. I talk about a predictive algorithm that I pay for. Like, I have a bunch of different things that I'm using. Um, and I think for, you know, in baseball season, we were charging five bucks a month. Then it went up to 15. And then we put a special together where if you buy it for the year, it works out to be $9.99. Um, but then I'm always throwing things out there, too. And just, um, you know, some of the plays in different packages. Uh, if you listen to me long enough, I'll probably give away enough of the picks that um, you know, that, that are out there even for free on the radio show or even on the YouTube channel. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of effort that goes into it, but, you know, mathematically speaking, anything can happen. If you're watching, you know, if you're watching NFL this year, it's been an absolute crap show, right? Like some of the games you're watching on what the hell's going on. And I've even seen it look like two different teams playing in separate halves of the same game. Like where was this in the first half? And are are they playing a different team now? Like things looking strange, but you know, it's about finding edges. And I think there are a lot of people that gamble because it's fun. Um, but are people really trying to find an edge and win money? Or is it just something to say, hey, I like doing it because I like having the action. And I feel like my site's for everyone. If you're just looking for one play, you're going to see what my top play is. If you're looking to bet a bunch of games at a couple of bucks or whatever and have some fun, throw some parlays together, that stuff's there as well. Let's talk about football in general. Okay. So, we're, we're Ravens fans and seeing the fact that Cincinnati is what, one in three right now is fantastic. But is Joe Burrow's like everyone sees it's a calf injury. Is that really hurting him that bad right now that he looks really, he doesn't look good right now. 
See, I think so. I think there's a lot of times like um, you remember when Baker Mayfield had the labrum injury and it was in his non-throwing shoulder. But what you fail to realize is when you're squaring your body and you're stepping, that movement's still there. Your body's stiff. And when you go to throw, you're opening yourself up and the movement's still going to hurt. And I think at the same extent, when we start talking about, you know, um, some of the different types of injuries, it, it can have those types of impacts. So, yeah, I mean, with Burrow's calf, like it's not something where I know it's been said like, oh, if he keeps playing on the calf injury, it could turn into an Achilles injury. And we found out from a doctor today, that's not actually true, but I do think it can impact it, make him uncomfortable in the pocket, give him happier feet. And, and can he push down and, and press off of that foot? It's weird. Like you remember when John Ogden got knocked out of the league, it was for turf toe. And for anybody that knows what it is, it's just a sprained big toe. But think about all your movements when you're either driving forward, you start with the big toe. Or if you're pushing backward for pass blocking, that's what you do. And it essentially ended his career. So I'm not saying like, oh, my God, Burrow's career could be over. But I think it would have been better had they sat him for a couple weeks, let that thing heal up and see what's going on. I believe Jamar Chase when he says I'm open on every freaking play because the guy's an absolute animal. Yeah, I, I, I'm i happy they started one and three because I do think, if not this game, I, I think probably the next game or after that, the Bengals are going to start playing like the Bengals can. So I, I yep. think that the head start that that the Ravens have built up is going to loom large at the end of the season. Um, you all right? <laughs> I'm trying to hold a sneeze in. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to blow. I, I didn't yeah. know if you were blowing out the other end too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Be careful, uh, you don't shard over there. You don't, you don't be downrange of that thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to get new furniture for yeah. you, new chair. <laughs> um, trying the uh, the Vikings been miserable, right? I actually yeah. picked them to win the AFC, uh, the NFC North, and I, I think still, I did too. Well, and I, I'm hoping, and, and I'm, I'm going to look at the win total and and the uh, the odds for them to still win it because I think they do come back and win it. Um, I think Detroit is going to be Detroit s- somewhat. I know it's not the same cast of characters over there, but it's still the Detroit Lions. And I'm I don't buy fully into Green Bay. So I in th- the Bears, god awful. Um I-, I love the fact that people pick Justin Fields to be amazing and he is not anywhere near like even mediocre. So I, I think Cousins usually starts off a little slow sometimes. I think he had one year he was like six and oh, but generally I think he started off kind of slow and I think they'll pick it back up. Plus that offense is just too good, even though their defense is god awful, but I think uh, I think Detroit is a budding problem in this league for everyone. Um, their defense right now is ranked fourth in the league, and we can talk about who they played, what they've done, um, even starting off with the Chiefs, where their offense hasn't looked like a Chiefs offense just yet, even though they did score 40-some points, whatever, 48 points against the Bears. I'm not counting that um, as something, you know, like the Bears were just god-awful that day. But, uh, you know, just getting back to looking at that division, Detroit's now going to get Jamison Williams back. Um, there were some rumors about possibly trading him, but they get him back early. Now you get a burner outside of all these other guys. I I think that team's going to be a juggernaut. Um, I'm not telling you they're ready to win the NFC just yet, but and maybe they don't have the right quarterback. Maybe he has grown up and Jared Goff's better than we give him credit for. There's a lot of really good pieces there, including the young tight end they drafted. Um, yep. You usually don't see rookie tight ends come into the league and start putting up numbers like he has thus far. Uh, they've talked about he's he's on pace to have better yards than Kyle Pitt's career. So it's it's crazy, man. I I do think that's a really good team, and and I don't mean to like I'm I'm on the same side as you because I still think Minnesota is going to get better and eventually get in the postseason or at least have that shot. Um, but I just think Detroit's now, like when you've watched them win some of the road games within that division, that's a good team. Yeah. The other part of with the Vikings that I thought was weird was that the original over under for them on wins was eight or eight and a half. And that was a team that won 13 games last year. Yeah. Um, they lost Dalvin cook, but we've always, we've seen that running backs are replaceable in this league fairly easily, even though Madison was just handing the ball over to the other team right and left. But Cam Akers is probably going to take over that role in another week, if not this week. Um, so I, I I can't see them not winning that ninth, ninth game at some yeah. point in the season. Well, I don't doubt it. I like, you know, it's not me saying the NFC is, we, we all know it when we look at it, it's weak. I mean, yeah. when you're watching these teams play from week to week, you're going, 
Well, they looked the exact opposite last week. How how the hell are they look like Houston's <laughs> Houston's playing Atlanta this week, and I think Atlanta's going to go over there and run the football right down their throat um, after the way they played, and and then everybody's going to be like, hold on, is Atlanta good now? No, they're they're all mediocre teams, and and I know a lot of people pointed out saying, okay, Eagles, Cowboys. 49ers just figure out who's good over there there's probably some other teams we're not giving enough credit to the Rams we'll see what they end up being um you know is Washington better than we think probably no are there any teams in the NFC South no so maybe that's the one team I you know it's just it's a really crappy conference this year outside of those three teams yeah I, this week against the Texans I actually think the Texans are going to beat them are going to beat the Falcons one thing that I noticed and this is when they were playing the Ravens that Texans defense was a lot better than a lot of people were going to think they were. I think D'Amico Ryans has had a major impact on that team, um, just in the change in, in, in his demeanor and his in, in the culture he's trying to build over there. And C.J. Stroud is legitimate. He he is really impressing me. Um, yeah, he's he's looked really good. And and Nico Collins is, is catch. I mean, that guy fantasy wise is is a gold mine. Um, so I, I think they got a shot against the Falcons. I. I I still don't know what Desmond Ritter is, to be honest. So I, that's why I would go with the Texans this week. But see, I like the Falcons, and and again, it goes back to that running game. Once the Falcons realize they have Drake London and Kyle Pitts, maybe they will be a good team. You saw how uh, pissed off Mac Hollins was on the sideline; didn't even want to slap five with Desmond Ritter. I mean, Ritter sucks. Somebody else. It may have been Rob Long on our show or somebody brought up the fact, like, why doesn't Atlanta call Chicago and say, hey, why don't you trade us Justin Fields? We know you guys want the number one overall pick. You want to get Caleb Williams. And, hell, I don't know if you guys saw it. If the Panthers finish with the number two overall pick, that goes to the Bears as well. So they could end up with one and two. Yeah, that'd be unreal if they got both. But I still feel like the Bears would screw that up. too. They'd still find a way to screw it up. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they screwed up that Fields pick horribly. I, I don't think he's a quarterback for the league. But well, I mean, there's um, something there. But like again, you know it when you have it. And I think everybody else is scrambling, going, "Oh, is he good enough that we could surround him with a bunch of talent, or we're going to have to pay these guys too much?" Like, let's be honest: is Kirk Cousins good enough to win a Super Bowl? Sure, he's not a bad quarterback, but it's not a guy that I want to put top tier money into. But at the going rate, when you need a quarterback, that's what ends up happening. And is it better to surround a guy like that? So now everybody's looking at it going, I'd rather draft a guy, know what I have in the first five years. And if it's nothing, move on, draft another guy, see where we're at. If I have to do the little, hey, we get the savvy vet for three years, we bring in a Cade McNown or or Josh McCown or whatever, some kind of Allen. I don't know anybody (laughs) like, you know, I bring them in and we've got to weather a storm for a couple of years. But basically half the league is trying to convince their fan base they have a good quarterback and they don't. Well, it's uh, so Albert Hainsworth said when the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins, he said the best way to make money in, the, in this league is to be a mediocre quarterback. Yeah. And because these teams just want to throw money, they want to have that elite quarterback. So they'll take what they can get and make kind of like, oh, if I throw, you know, 150 million at him, he'll be a elite quarterback. Well, no, you just spend a bunch of money on a mediocre one. And, um, I, don't, I always wonder, what is the aversion to the game manager? You can win Super Bowls with a game manager. It's happened. You know, the Ravens did it uh, in in 2000 when they, you know, uh, Trent with Trent Dilfer. The the Buccaneers did it with Brad Johnson. Like, what is the aversion to it? I, I, I don't. I, I think you need all the other parts to go right. And that's where, like, teams look at it and go. Okay, do we want to ride the storm with someone that's, you know, I guess Baker Mayfield, well, he's not a game manager. He's going to throw the ball away. I'm trying to think of someone who's kind of that average quarterback right now that somebody may put in. Maybe it is um, uh, the the backup in Indy, um, uh, old uh, Minshew. You know, you look at a player like that. Could he be a game manager for you and not turn the ball over and uh, dink and dunk when you need him to and then punt the ball back? In this league, I just feel like there's too many opportunities for offenses not to succeed. Um, or to succeed. I don't know if I just did a double negative. So who you guys can figure that out later. But um, <laughs> but no, the point is like, you know, when you're watching these teams, there's too many advantages on offense now to not try to pump money into that and make sure you have the go-to guy that can really take advantage of it. Like, I don't know how much a Patrick Mahomes is worth. I just know if he's playing and he's healthy, they're going to be in the playoffs every single season, barring yeah. something catastrophic happening. Yeah, and I guess with the other, like when the Ravens won with Dilfer, the defense was what? That was an amazing defense. And even the Buccaneers, like 
you know, Warren Sapp, like there was the defenses were like, I probably could have played quarterback on those teams and <laughs> won something. Yeah. But, and, um, and I think, I think the other part of that too, is like, if you talk to those teams, once a defense starts to get the recognition, then people start to pick apart your team. Remember the Texans were an expansion team. And then you start to see guys like Jamie Sharper relieving. And, um, you know, they were saying goodbye to the guys like Peter Bulware. And then Adelius Thomas is getting this crazy offer from the Patriots. Can you match that? And your pass rushers, people are now stealing your coaches. Anytime you have success, it's going to breed the, the rest of the league wanting to steal your players. And you're not going to be able to keep up with the Joneses and pay everyone. So ultimately, now you're trying to replace them. And did you do a good enough job doing that? I think having the marquee quarterback, if you have the guy, you can put some ancillary pieces here and there and still be successful in this league. And I think that's what a lot of teams believe. And I'm not saying you're wrong. Like the 49ers are the perfect example of a team that I think is built exactly how you're talking. Like Brock Purdy might be a little bit better than a game manager, but you don't need much more than that in that offense, the way it's designed because they're going to mm. be successful. Yeah. I I mean, going to that Kirk Cousins money situation that we were talking about, I think there's really only 25 starting quarterbacks in this league. So if you don't pay up for one that's starting, I mean, that, and by starting, I don't mean like, you know, MVP caliber. I'm just saying someone who you can, you know, win a game with, not be, not because of, but you can still win with them. There's probably another seven to 10 quarterbacks playing for teams that are working against you. And so I think that's why some of these teams, they pay the money because they feel like they do have the pieces around, around the team. And they feel like they have a, uh, like a, a window to win. Um, I, I, I actually think that the giants felt that way with Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones. There's no shot that dude should have gotten paid. He hadn't shown anything, but the Giants were afraid of either having to settle for a Baker Mayfield or, you know, or even having a Gardner Minshew be their starter. And as much as I like Gardner Minshew, the guy's Matt Flynn. Yeah. You're not going to win with the guy. You might win a game or two, but you're not winning anything with him. See, and, and so I think, I think teams are so afraid of not having that quarterback. I mean, the Ravens, we had when we had Kyle Bowler. We weren't going to win shit with him, and everybody knew it. And I think those those bottom 10 teams, they're ready to pay for that quarterback if the team that has them isn't. And I, I think that's kind of where the league is right now, where you're so afraid of not having any quarterback that you're willing to pay up and over what they're probably worth just to have a quarterback you can win with. Well, it's hard to say what anyone's worth to it's the going right now is the prices are going to keep going up. They're going to keep charging. It's not like they're going to bring the prices down for fans. Hey, well, we're going to charge less for tickets. And, you know, since we're making so much money, we'll make it easy on you guys. That's not that's never going to happen. So that money is going to be allocated. And the most important position in all of sports is a quarterback starting quarterback. If you can get that uh, marquee guy, the franchise guy, even if you think you're like there were some people that thought Joe Flacco was a franchise quarterback. Maybe he was. He won a Super Bowl, so you can't take that away from him. But you know that might even be built more with the in line with what you're talking about and having a um, you know kind of a game manager and, and a guy that can make plays when asked to. There's there's all different ways to look at it, but ultimately, I, there's only a handful of guys in the league that I think are really good. The rest of the guys are just players, and I think they're all interchangeable. And it's sad when we start to find that out. Like, would you touch Kyler Murray now? Hell no. You know, I'm not, I don't want him on my team because I think I know who he is. I think I've seen this before and I don't need that act to be, I, I, I'm, I, I think Kyler Murray fits into that mold of the Arizona Cardinals. If they don't sign him, they don't have any quarterback, which is actually where they're at now. Anyway. I mean, as much as Josh Dobbs has gone on a nice run, he's not going to, he's not going to be a, a lifesaver at quarterback. Eventually teams are going to figure him out and but they'll be picking high, so they'll they'll have their choice of a young quarterback if they want to do this again. But now, like with some of the things that have come out, and if they don't have a worse record and win the Caleb Williams sweepstake again, they would have been right back where they were, except they just paid a quarterback all this money. Now would they take another one? So they're kind of stuck in that Kyler Murray purgatory, if you will, figuring out what you want to do. I mean, it, it sucks when these teams keep reaching for bad quarterback. Look what the Carolina Panthers were doing. Hey, you got a former number one pick that didn't work out. I think we can make them work. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. And now they're like, well, we should just draft our guy because they kept stealing the, the Jets trash. They probably would have taken this cat too had they not drafted a quarterback. So 
At that point, they're at this point, they're calling up Jake DeLome to see if he'll come back. <laughs> oh, God. It's like they were calling Philip Rivers, and he's too busy making his 12th baby or whatever. Baby. <laughs> like, you know, he's busy. Leave him alone. He's done. He's he's made an entire football team. Yeah. <laughs> or at least one side of it. <laughs> he made the de- he made like his his uh the Colts defense for 2035. <laughs> yeah, that that Rivers is flowing. That's all I know. So that guy <laughs> No contraceptives in that house. <laughs> None. Um, well, who knows? Maybe Kyler Murray will, you know, sign a big contract and then go play baseball. Yeah, he just signed the big football contract. Yeah, so, so he like, could. Yeah, so he signed that. Now he can go play. You know, get hurt or whatever, and go play baseball. He could so, go get himself some guaranteed money over there. Yeah, <laughs> the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I hear Colin Kaepernick's still available. Yeah, it's still <laughs> kicking the tires on that. Like. I don't know. Like we're seeing some older quarterbacks get called, but he's been out of the league for six years. Somebody wants to see what he has. So be it. But like, are we going to keep? Like, is it going to be fifteen years from now? And he's going to say, "Hey, look, I'm still in great shape. I got a six pack. Look at this. Watch my forty. Look how far I can throw this football." I was watching Pete Carroll throw footballs. Like, who who gives a rat's ass? It's been six years now, and my big problem is like I have no issue with anything that Colin Kaepernick did. It didn't bother me one bit, and that's just me. And I'm not saying you have to feel the same way as me. But you don't get to have your cake and eat it too, man. You don't get to set yourself up to be a martyr and then complain that other teams don't want to sign you because signing you would also bring problems, issues with the fan base, all those things that go in tow. So, like, it's kind of a it's a catch-22 for me with him. I, I don't feel as bad for Colin Kaepernick, um, but I do feel like the league did blackball him. He was better than some of the other quarterbacks. But, again, I don't fault the teams for saying, I don't want to bring you in and alienate half my fan base. Yeah, at one point I thought, I thought he was going to get a chance to come back, and then he pulled that stunt. Yeah, when when he was given that 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 tryout, and then at the last minute he's like, "Well, I'm going to do it down here at this high school field." It's like, hold on a minute, you're trying to get employed. They set this up for you, and you're going to pull a stunt and not go to their venue where all the scouts are. Like, I, I think that's where if he was going to get back in the league and he was serious about it he would have gone to where that trial was. I don't think he ever wanted to get back in the league. I think he needed to kind of keep his name relevant for the, for endorsement money that he was getting outside of the league. Um, and I think that's what he kind of does now. He kind of inserts his name into the league. Cause he knows it's, he knows it's going to get clicks when he, when he puts it out there that he wants back in and it keeps his name relevant at this point. Um, but I think once he did that, I think it really pissed some people off with the National Football League, and I don't think he's going to get back in now. I yeah, think he I, had he had a shot to get back in, water under the bridge, and he kind of poo pooed on the people that that helped him out to set it back up. And I, I think he, I don't think he's going to be back in the league now. I thought his best shot might have been here in Baltimore um, to get a, a, an opportunity as a backup back when all that was going on before the comments were made about. You know Steve Bashotti and Ray Lewis, and um, you know all the 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 comment. What was it? The picture from Django that they were showing, and all this other stuff, saying all these things about him. And it's like, wait a minute, are you trying to get hired by somebody? Like, what? What was his girlfriend threw those pictures out and said some things? So yeah, is yeah, is he whatever. still with that girlfriend? Yeah, because that girlfriend has been like the. So like when all that went down, for if he was a starting quarterback for the 49ers and all that went down, he would have never done any of it. Uh, he was on the. He was already. He was already benched. Who was the guy they they started ahead of him? Blaine, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. So, and then <laughs> after all of it went down, he's he's offered a contract, but it's backup money. It's to be a backup somewhere. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure if another team had come out and said, "Oh, here's starter money," he would he would have stopped. Yeah. But you know, he didn't want to be a backup. Now, to me, I would take backup money. And anymore, teams like you almost have to have a competent backup. Is it you know someone who's in the ilk of your starter because you can't have two completely different offenses running, so you need to have you know if you've got say like the Lamar Jackson, you have this, someone that can do some of the things that Lamar can do, or else your offense is completely just shot. So you know, but he didn't want that. He still wanted to be the starter. But if it was you know circa 2013, um, Kaepernick, I don't think we'd be having this conversation right now. Yeah. So well, I I, def, I I think you're dead on by saying his his even even if he's like seventy percent of what he was, and I I think Tyler Huntley is an as a nice kid, 
Josh Johnson's a nice kid, but after seeing the 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 example of work that Tyler Huntley's put together and this time that he's been out there, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. He's a Pro Bowler. Well, you're right. He, I'm sorry. He is a Pro, pro I mean, Pro, pro Bowler. Tyler Huntley. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. And it's Pro Bowl MVP Tyler Huntley. You oh, used to lead yeah, off a big I, part of that. I, I was way off. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Put some I, respect I on his name. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. Um, and I thought that was one of the biggest glaring um, missteps in the offseason for the Ravens was that they didn't go out and get a capable backup for Lamar if he goes down. Now, I'm not saying Lamar's injury prone. Mm-hmm. I'm not in that camp. I'm just saying if he goes down, we saw the difference, the level, the the, the drop in the team play from when he went down and what we had available. And there was a massive drop, right? Yeah. I, I think they had to bring in someone better. I don't know who it was. The only reason why I say Kaepernick, I, I, we haven't seen him play in six years, right? So who knows if it's him, but they could have brought in someone. And, and I can't remember the kid's name. I think he's in Carolina now, but he was in the USFL, the XFL. Um, I think his last name was Williams or something. He, 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 he it was right before that league kind of shut down with COVID or whatever, but he, he looked like he could play in a Lamar system fairly competently. And they didn't go after him. That kid out in Cleveland that got his doors blown off this past week. He looked and really PTR. good too. Yeah. I, I think, I, and they would never have traded him to the Ravens for a pick, but there are plenty of these young kids that it's like, look, we, we know what Tyler is. Let, let's go and see if there's something else out there. Um, so I thought that was a little bit of an omission on the Ravens part. Now, obviously they're pros at this They're They know what they're doing. So maybe they see something I don't, but it seemed like at the end of games in the last five minutes, Tyler tends to throw it to someone wearing the wrong color Jersey. Um, at least from what we've seen so far. So I was surprised that the Ravens didn't go after a backup quarterback in the off season. Yeah, I mean, look, I think a lot of the offseason, too, you were waiting to find out what was going to go with Lamar until you got to the draft. Remember signing him basically um, right before the draft, making the Odell Beckham news um, official, and then the draft happening and which direction you were going in. Uh, we didn't know if they were going to be taking a quarterback at that point because of all that had happened or if they were going to trade Lamar somewhere. And um, So I do think some of that kind of fell into place and in that they felt comfortable with Tyler Huntley because he knew the offense. But then again, you're bringing in a new offense. I feel the same way you do. Like, look, Tyler Huntley, and I I could give you a list of 25 quarterbacks in this league that are, and I think the Steelers have three of them that are just guys. Like, they're not, they're not anything special. Like, if you go sign Mitchell Trubisky, could he win you 10 games? Sure, he could. Are you going anywhere with him? Probably not. You know, like, there's also the chance that he could lose you 10 games. Like, these guys are just. They're just guys and mediocre players. So, and I think for most teams, if you lose your starting quarterback, you're probably up Shit's Creek without a paddle. Yeah. The only one that worked out well was for the, the Eagles. The Eagles and, and, and Lord Minshew <laughs> over there with the Colts now. Yeah. But yeah. Or, or actually, it wasn't him. It was uh it was Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles. That stepped in. Yeah. And, and we he he had that, his Matt Flynn moment. And that he, was <laughs> and that was his second time with the Eagles. Yeah. Because he had done yeah. that before and then comes in. He won the and, Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. Um, and then they give the team right back to uh, Carson Prince, Wentz. Yeah, Prince Harry looks like <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he looks like Prince Harry. Yeah. <laughs> he has better hair though. Um, does he? Everybody does. Harry Harry's got some. Oh, Harry's got hair like I do. What? Are you th- you're thinking of his brother? No, no. Harry's got the cul-de-sac going. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I thought Harry had the the nice he's not ha- the he's nice not Harry. hair. Just Harry, not Harry. I got a little yeah, picture. Trying. I got. Yeah. I got. I'm gonna. I gotta do it. I gotta be a Jamie. You guys talk. I gotta be Jamie from Joe Rogan. I gotta look it up. <laughs> but Harry. But you know, yeah, Carson Wentz, and then they, then they, they, they shit the bed the next season, and then he's gone with the. What were they? The look at that quaff of hair he's got. No, look right there. Look at that one. It's thinning. Is it? for you. Yeah. There's some Propecia going on. I don't know. Thinning. That could just be the sun's angle on, on his head there because he's I, got the red flame. I know thinning hair. There's no video here, but I know thinning hair. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I have hair. I just shaved my head because I'm lazy. Keep going. I'm going to keep looking. <laughs> I'm going to keep looking at this magnificent scalp of hair. 
But and was it Washington football team or commanders last time Carson Wentz? I can't keep that straight either. So um, I mean, well, yeah, he's with the Washington football team. You had the Colts, uh, the Eagles, the yeah. who else? He was in somebody else's camp, right? Yeah, I mean, dudes made bank. So I mean, you can't really blame him. But um, yeah, it's I don't know. But uh, these guys that go, they just they sign big contracts and with a couple teams, and then end up uh just kind of see that look yeah, at the okay, back yeah no you're see? right you're right yeah no i'm looking at now i don't know here i'll try and put it up here for you yeah i can see that it's yeah, yeah. yeah okay it's worse than i thought yeah see? it's light yeah it's better from the front he's also a couple <laughs> years younger than his brother too he's getting there yeah <laughs> right he's gonna be looking like william <laughs> he's, in like uh, three he's, years he's en route to uh that hairline but um bet you didn't think he'd be talking british royals today <laughs> not at all <laughs> What's up with the Duke of Earl? <laughs> Which one's that? I don't know. So is a song from Earl? the 50s. No, I don't know. So I did not watch a single snap of NFL football this week. Not one. Um, I was coaching baseball all weekend, so I didn't get. I'd rather be on the field with my kids than watching, you know, football. grown children. Yeah. But um, I'm kind of getting I, I've been tired of Patrick Mahomes for a while because he's on every commercial. <laughs> and not to take away what he does in the field, but I'm just tired of him. And now I'm getting tired of the Kansas City Chiefs entirely because of the Taylor Swift thing. And Yo, they put her on the camera all the time. Like, isn't there something else going on that we can look at rather than, than her? No, they're going to do what the Oregon State coach was doing. He's, they're going to milk this thing for all it's worth, man. He was telling his players to run the clock and pretend like he was milking nipples and people got <laughs> upset about it. And he's like, look, it's just a hand signal we use to tell him to milk the clock. But <laughs> the NFL is going to milk this for all it's worth. I mean, they've, they've even put on their Instagram handle talking about Swifties and this and that. <sighs> I mean, the Jersey sales are up, what, 600, 700% for Travis Kelsey. <clears throat> he's got almost a million new followers on Instagram. Um, and, you know, like there's that, the, the song's going to be coming out soon. Sports boy who broke my heart or whatever, you know, like it's, we know it's going to happen. Um, it's going to be annoying because they're going to keep going to it because they think that's what the masses want. But the people that appreciate the sport or just want to watch it don't care as much about it. Like, okay, show me the pictures after the game. Show me the pictures of them coming in flasher once in the, up in the box. We don't need to go to her every commercial break and show her hugging on to all her friends. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like when uh, Tony Romo was... Who was that girl? Jessica Simpson. Yeah. How dare you forget that? Oh, sorry. Jesus. <laughs> but they always showed her. Whatever... Did he marry her? They were married, weren't they? Ooh. I don't know. I don't, you want to know what? This is not a factual podcast. I'm going to say yes, knowing that it could be wrong. Right. Okay. <laughs> but... There are no facts on this podcast. None. <laughs> it's all feelings. All the time. <laughs> but, I don't know. So, do you follow hockey at all, Jeremy? Or... Um, so I'm a basketball guy. I played basketball okay. in high school, college. I coached it, um, AAU in high school. I just gave up coaching high school basketball after two years and really enjoyed it and wanted to stay with it, but I had some other opportunities that came up. So, um, I, I do follow it and I do bet it, uh, just because like, I'm still just following money, looking at different things. I'm more of a totals better. And I bet small favorites, small underdogs from time to time. And I look for spots. Um, but when it comes down to it and just watching it, like I'm the guy that would rather watch the worst NBA game than the best NHL game. And okay. I know there's, I know there's a ton of people that would say I would rather watch the the worst NHL game than the best NBA game, but because basketball is in my blood and they run parallel with each other, that's what I'm into more. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I'm a hockey guy and I'm the opposite. I would rather watch, you know, <laughs> the the blowout NHL game than any NBA game. College yeah. in March is a little bit different. Um, baseball in. Uh, you know, this time of year, of course, I'm more like, especially with the Orioles being where they are, like, I don't care what the Capitals are doing right now. I'm going to watch the uh, the O's play. I'm not going to miss that game to see, you know, uh, an October NHL game when it pretty much means nothing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just like I'm not a gambler, but you know, I know some people that do will will play around with betting hockey games and, you know, uh, but I just well, I, it's, I'm it's, playing the sport. The funny thing I know from just why uh, from gambling on it over the past couple of years is looking at the increase in the goals that are scored on an average basis because you know we went from seeing a lot of five and five and a halfs as far as totals in the NHL 
Now I would tell you the average total is probably six and a half. And we've even seen seven, seven and a half and eights in some games, which mm-hmm. is unheard of to think that, you know, you're going to see eight goals scored in three periods. I mean, it, we see it all the time, but on average, you you very rarely see it. If you, if you know what I mean, like it, it oh, yeah. feels like that when you're averaging out how many goals are actually scored a game. Yeah. And I, I think part of that is, is the kind of the change in goaltending where, you used to have your your stud goal your stud goalkeeper, whether it was Lundquist or Holtby when the Capitals won. And now the teams are almost going to like whoever the hot hand is, and then that guy's gone. So the Avalanche won it with Darcy Kemper. The next year he signs with Washington and just kind of nah, doesn't really play yeah. very well. But the days like Brodor and Patrick Waugh and those, you know, just number one guys, I think it's kind of going to, you need, you need one guy to get hot at the right time, which is like end of April to push you through. And then after that, it's almost like the NFL with running backs, how, you know, I don't think you're going to see players like Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith and stuff like that. It's going to be, they get hurt so quick running back by committee, um, you know, and teams have success without that number one running back. And, NHL teams will have success without that number. As long as they're whoever they're playing gets hot at the right time. I think for the rest of them, it's just, that's why you're seeing goals go up and, you know, I don't think the equipment changes have a whole lot. I think it's more just the change in, in focus of the teams. So that's, that's just me. So, you know, I mean, some of the rule changes too have probably helped speed up the game as well, but uh, yeah, when they got rid of the clutching and grabbing and, you know, some of that stuff to free up the the fours. I just, I'd like to know what Wayne Gretzky would do now with the rules they have today. Well, it's, you know? I have this same thing when I talk to people, like I, I argue, I said, I'll never argue that anyone's better than Michael Jordan or LeBron James. I mean, I think they're the two best players I've ever watched play, but I'm certain who's number three and it's Larry Bird. And <laughs> for anybody that like slights the guy because of what he looks like. And it's like, Oh, what would he do today? He'd average over a triple double every single night. And with the way the rules are that you can't hand check, he'd destroy these guys. Mm. And he's one of the biggest trash talkers in the history of the league. So, um, yeah, there are certain guys you're going to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go into war battling that that guy is, is uh, you know, what I believe he is and how great he's going to be. So uh, we could see some of that in the NHL this year. I know there's a lot of young talent and teams on the rise, so I'm excited. And I am excited for the NBA. I know it's not a huge sport in Baltimore, but um, it is something where it's a star driven league. And now we've got all these superstars and teams that are going to hate each other and players that hate each other and God knows what. So um going to be a blast. Did you watch that winning time series? Loved it. And now it's canceled and I'm pissed. Um It kind of came like, to a conclusion, though, at the end of season two, it kind of well, came they, to the natural conclusion. But I think they knew that. But I mean, there was there's still a lot more in that story. If you want to talk about how many rings and MVPs were won between Magic and Bird. Um, and obviously there's a lot more to get into with magic. Once we want to get into the nineties, depending on how far you want to do the Lakers and, uh, their three Pete and all that. But I just like the problem that I have is, you know, I, I, I know they took some, uh, leisure and kind of, you know, changing some of the characters like Jerry West comes off as a huge a-hole. He's my favorite character on the show. Um, and, you know, looking at some of the other guys that were playing the different coaches and players like Norm Nixon, that's his son, Norm Nixon Jr. playing him, which is kind of crazy. And I think the guy that's playing Magic and the guy that's playing Kareem, I know they're not anywhere near as tall as them. They are taller guys, but um, I think the I think the guy playing Kareem is like six seven. Um, but they look just like him, a younger version of him. So I thought they did a really good job casting and anything that's surrounded by some history of sports and documented and you know, you're going to put something to it. I'm more than likely going to watch it no matter what sport it is. I think I've seen every Netflix sports documentary they have up there. Yeah, I thought they did a really nice job with it. It was very entertaining. And for me, I I thought the most interesting part about it was how they talked about uh, the business dealings with with, uh, Jerry Buss. Mm -hmm. I thought it was, he, he uh, he was a very savvy business person and how he, maneuvered his assets in order to keep the Lakers during some, some difficult times. I thought that was a really interesting part of it. He's very innovative. Um, and some of the things he came up with, uh, like a lot of the things you're seeing now in, in venues, like the way, um, that new documentary out about, uh, Bill Vex son 
and um, Second Chances, something like that on Netflix. It's really good. But Bill Beck was the guy that started creating all the stuff you see at the ballpark. Um, you know, the condiment race type stuff, fireworks, you know, all the goofy things at minor league parks that you see him doing. Uh, and in the kind of the same context, you could say the same thing with Jerry Buss and what they were creating with the Staples Center and and bringing in different acts and creating this presence with the Laker girls. Like they, it was a very forward thinking place and trying to make more money outside of basketball so they could make their team better. We'll do one final portion here. We'll do because this is the first year in a while the Orioles have been in the playoffs. Now, obviously, they're not playing in this round. They they got to buy through to the uh, divisional series. Do you think they would rather see the Rays or the Rangers? Well, they're going to see the Rangers now. So Rangers did they, won today. Did they win? Yeah, they won today. Big uh, oh. seven to one. I mean, that was one of my top plays. I, no, no, it's fine. They they um that was an early game today, and uh, so that happened. And the Twins knocked off the Blue Jays. So it's going to be Twins, Astros, and um, Rangers, Orioles coming up this weekend and now like uh, there is some concern over the lineup that the Rangers have there's a lot of power there but I think with the weather you're going to see and uh, the stadium that's going to nullify some of that power and it's going to be more about the pitching and who's able to keep the other teams off the bases stealing bases I think Jorge Mateo is going to come into play late in some of these games against the Rangers um I'm looking forward to it I think it's going to be a lot of fun and and again I'm not a results guy and results driven guy I want to see the Orioles win at all costs uh, but let's say this series ends and they don't move on. Like we, we're in for some good years coming. And this is just like another uh, another spot in that learning block and kind of getting better year after year. And I think this team's only going to do that. But I'm not telling you, I think that happens or I hope that happens. But, you know, like I, I think the season we've had thus far has been so special. Um, and I think it's going to continue. I even had somebody come up with this idea, which I thought was kind of cool about everyone chanting Brooks's name at the start of the fifth inning, uh, just over and over and over again and get the stadium route up and and do it for old Brooksy. And, and I thought it was pretty cool. Like a lot of people come up with some stuff that's kind of corny. I think that'd be a cool thing for the home stadium. Um, you know, and then we'll see what happens this weekend because now with the Rangers, uh, we're, whether or not you're going to be fighting Billy Joel or whoever else and try to figure out what's going to happen on Saturday, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, so mid-season, when the Orioles were still in second place in the AL East, I put uh, I, I placed some bets on them. Mm-hmm. So I, I placed a bet for them to win the AL East, win the American League, and win the World Series. Now, mostly to win the American League and win the World Series because the odds were really great. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's a little bit of money. Let's see if we can cash it in. Um, but with with the way they've been playing, I think they've got a fairly good shot. Now, another reason why I did it. So when Mike Elias was brought in as the GM from Houston, there was actually a book already out called Astro Ball. And it basically chronicled how um, the Houston Astros went from cellar dwellers into the powerhouse that they had become. So this was the year. What is this year? Three or four of Mike Elias. This is year three, right? I think this is what four. So what this is four? Okay, so year four when Jeff Lunau was the GM for the Astros was when the Astros won the World Series, and so I was. But like, they were a little bit further ahead of us though with their prospects and when he got started because this thing was the bare bones when Elias took it over. So I right. still think we're ahead of the curve, but I think it was sharp on your part to look at some of those things, and like a lot of people just want to take a flyer on their home team, and I get that. Yeah. Um, but there was some real promise when you looked at it, and because the AL East was supposed to be so good, you think about the odds of them act like they still didn't even have the best odds in the American League to win um, the World Series, and the Blue Jays had better odds than them. It, it, it's insane, right? And now, now they're out, but you get to see like there's just so much disrespect when it comes to this team because I think it's hard for a lot of people to believe that they're this good. Yeah, I, for me, it was like. <laughs> The AL East, they were in second place. I was like, well, if they don't fade, they'll get to it. And they did, which was good. But I was like, well, at that time, with them still being in second place in the AL East, the 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 line for them to win the American League in the World Series, it 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 wasn't what it would have been when they when they eventually took over the Rays. So I was like, well, let me throw a little bit of money on it. And so I still got I got my hopes out for them this time 
I, I would have anyway, though. It's kind of like, yeah. like you said, I was, I wanted to bet on the hometown team anyway. So I was like, well, now it's going to be doubly interesting for me. Yeah, but you hit on a couple that I thought were good. Like, like I, I even said at the beginning of the year, the Orioles win total looks like a good one to, to attack. Um, I thought with the odds, it was great to bet them to win the AL East. And um, if you wanted to talk about them making the playoffs, I think I thought all those things were great odds. I talked about Gunnar Henderson. I thought he was going to win rookie of the year back when he was uh, three to one or six to one at the beginning of the season. I think it was three to one to start. And then obviously Josh Young took over and bouncing back. Then there was all the talk of Yanir Cano and could he win the Cy Young? Like, it's like, wait a minute, look at his war. He, nobody's getting on base when he faced him. Like all these things were coming up. Could he win rookie of the year? All these things. It, like it was just crazy to talk about all these different players and the possibility of what they could do. And let alone you start watching some of these budding superstars we have and Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson and seeing all the young players get called up. Grayson kind of figuring it out and he's going to be special. So I just think this is the tip of the iceberg for the Orioles, and um, that window is wide open. They're going to have quite a few years of being successful. And even with the Red Sox, I'm going to I'm going to shift a little bit. So the Red Sox being as bad as they were this year, they still found a way to screw me over. <laughs> so oh, their yeah. over under was seventy seven and a half, and I bet the under, and they got to seventy eight on the last day of the season. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you telling me something about that. You had to sweat that out. Oh, that's brutal. I, the funny part was, so I was talking to the guy I placed the bet with, and it was the last five games, and they needed two wins. So they had to go two two and three to get to that 78. And I, I said, look, man, why don't you pay me out? Because he had already lost on the, on the Orioles over bet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why don't you just pay me out of this one? I'll do it for less than half. And he was like, no, nah, we're going to let it ride. And he ended up being right because they didn't, they got to 78. But I was like, I should have, I should have taken even less. <laughs> well, you got hosed on the last day because that was the throwaway game of just getting everybody right. Kind of, you know, Brad is pitching a bullpen session almost and going two innings and striking out five. So you didn't get a team that was out there actually going out to try to just like knock it out of the park for their last game. They didn't have anything to play for. Everything was kind of set. Yeah, I was just like, it's just like the Red Sox to screw me over on the last day. <laughs> Even when they're out of it, they're still in it for me. Yeah. Um. So besides besides the website and and the and the radio station, what else you got going on? So I mean, I'll have some big news at the end of the year, hopefully, to talk about. Um, there's a lot, a lot of cool stuff. I, I got a an offer from a, another company to work for them, and I'm currently like you know dabbling, checking it out, looking at the business. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that along with the radio station. Haven't signed with them yet, but um, I just agreed to a three-year deal with them and just got to get printed up and go over it with a fine-tooth comb, as, as you should if you're going to sign a contract with anyone, and then, and then hopefully get the thing signed and have that locked up. Well, sounds good. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, anytime, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. We want to thank Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan, Big Bag Morning Show, and ConcreteLocks.com for joining us. We hope you like this episode. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share, as always. And we'll see you next time.